0: All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for yet another episode today. And I'm, I'm actually here with a, a brand, brand new friend of mine, Doss Miller. Thank <laughs> you so much, Doss, for making time for the Boca Podcast.
1: Glad to, Nathan. I'm, I'm really happy to be here.
0: Well, and it is a privilege for multiple reasons for me. First of all, your work is, is absolutely stunning. And I'm going to go ahead and share website and Instagram with our listeners. For those of you listening in, of course, we'll link to this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But you're gonna to want to check out Doss' website, DOS D A U S S M I L L E R, dosmiller.com. Same thing on Instagram. We'll link to both of those in the show notes. Uh, Doss, your your work really is. You know, it's it's hard these days. I look at so many different photographs, photographers' work. Uh, it's hard to find something that's unique that stands out. And I was, I still am, truly impressed. By the work that's awesome. on your website. So I, that in and of itself, for me, it means that this is a privilege that we get to have this conversation. And we're going to actually dig into your process a little bit today, how you go about capturing those images, um, and more specifically, how you engage your clients so that they feel comfortable for the camera, which then, of course, enables you to capture those images. But I had to compliment you on, on your work right off the bat. Again, for those of you listening in, dosmiller.com, Doss Miller on Instagram, check it out. Uh, but I have to also comment too, and I—I I told you I would—I would say something about this before we started recording. You're a fascinating individual. Um, it, one of the <laughs> things that stood about stood out to me. I think this was actually on your website. Um, there was an allusion to a psychology background, and we're gonna we're gonna touch on this more later in our conversation. But what is that background? Did you study it in school?
1: Yeah, I studied in school, and um, I, I got a I got in a lot of trouble in uh, in school. Like I was. I was never quite interested enough in what in what in like the you know the the curriculum, like the actual curriculum and the books we were were supposed to read. I was never quite interested in. So I did a lot of independent study on things, but yeah, I did have a minor in psychology in, in school. Just fascinated by people and yes. you know how we're all you know we're all unique and. Even even as I've grown into adulthood through business and having kids and everything, just what I've learned about people at the different in the different stages of life, I'm just, I you know, it's 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 an ongoing process, obviously, but it's, I'm just continuously fascinated by people.
0: Yeah, well, it it is fascinating. There is we are unique, and yet simultaneously, I also find it quite fascinating that there are kind of basic psychological components that make up most people. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, it's not overly complicated to understand someone. Then The nuance comes, I think, largely from, I mean, there's, there's some hereditary factors, obviously, but then uh, a lot of it comes from just life experience, right? And, and the way yes. that that kind of forms or helps craft our psychology and that, that ultimately drives our behavior and how we feel about things. But it is a, such a fascinating
1: topic. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It is
0: One, of course, that that ultimately drives our ability to be able to to interact. Our understanding of psychology, uh, to be kind of pseudo-psychologists, if you will, drives our ability to be able to interact with clients or potential clients effectively. And that's what we're going to dive into in a little bit more detail later on in our conversation. The other thing, though, that caught my attention was that apparently you're a watch collector. Is that right?
1: Uh, (laughs) Ah, yes. I love timepieces. I don't know where that came from either, but I've I've got I've got a collection and I'm excited to add to it whenever possible. <laughs>
0: it it is a really interesting subject topic a, a point of fascination hobby. I mean the list of words goes on there. This is something I've I've found quite interesting myself. Uh, I don't personally have any p- particularly impressive watches, but I'm curious what your favorite watch is in your collection.
1: Uh, a, a Movado. I've got quite a few. I will tell an interesting story if, if there's time. Are you yeah, limited sure. to like time time no, at all? Go for it, man. Okay. So, <laughs> so I I don't recall how I stumbled upon this particular watch, but I, it was online, uh maybe Instagram or something like that. And it was out of Europe and I was immediately in love like just in love, so I screenshotted it and just kind of drooled over it and and moved on and it kept coming up in my mind, and just like I had a dream about it so wow, a few months la- yeah, a few months later, um, I'm like you know it came up again so i i was i decided i would I would contact the company and see what was what it was all about, so to my ignorance, I didn't know I hadn't heard the brand before, which is a surprise, but sebastian it, it was was the one so I emailed, they didn't respond. So a, another set of months went by and they finally got back to me, went through the process. They were like super exclusive. Like they they only make like 15 or a year or something like that. 15 clients a year or something crazy like that. So I'm like, oh, I'm on the list, like custom design, the whole thing. They only work by wiring funds. So uh, when it came down to that point and I had like specific, like pinpointed color and like you know all the things. Wow! Got down to the got down to the invoice portion, and it was like 150, what I thought was dollars, <laughs> for the before they would start production. There and the remaining balance was due at the time of of delivery. So yeah. I'm like, well, I'm not going to pay the wiring fee twice. I'll just you know I'll do the whole thing all at once. You know, let's let's get it going. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so, so I so I wired my 300 dollars or whatever and and uh he he got back to me and i got like a this awesome welcome to the family email and like all these all these you know amazing things and he's like I think there's a misunderstanding about the uh about the amount so the, the European mark where the decimal is was it threw me off so it wasn't $150 for the retainer deposit it was 150 k so it was a three hundred thousand so three hundred thousand dollar watch so wow um, yeah so i'll i'll probably never own that one which is heartbreaking <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah long story short yeah i I love watches it's more about i think it's i look at it as you know they're they're art pieces it's it's like a, a sculpture on your on yes. your it's like you're wearing art so i think that's super cool and so uh, an awesome way to to kind of express your individual fashion sense you know your style it's part of kind of your speaking to people with what you're putting on so
0: that, that's actually an interesting way to put it. Yeah, that, I mean, and to that point, of course, most people probably that, that at least know me or have been listening to the podcast for a while, they know that I'm, I'm always wearing a black t-shirt. I'm a bit of a minimalist. Uh, along okay. with that, I'm also wearing a black watch. Again, the minimalism. And it's actually very practical as well. It's a, you know, whatever, $200 watch. It's a Luminox. And Luminox mm-hmm. makes, and I don't know if you're familiar with the brand or not, but they make um, these watches that have... Radioactive is probably not the, the, the right word here to use because it sounds dangerous, but it has a radioactive <laughs> material in it that actually illuminates both the, the dial and the hands of the watch. So no matter the time of day, of course, you can you can effectively see the hands of the watch. Most watches have some type of luminescent material built in that will glow for you know maybe an hour or two or whatever after it's been in the sun and then it dies out, and then you, you get up in the middle of the night, and you can't see what your watch says. <laughs> right. This stays lit up all the time, which is kind of fun. And, and uh, So that's my, that's my non-fancy watch story.
1: That's cool. It sounds pretty fancy to me. <laughs> <I'll>
0: <laughs> well, will to look into it. There are sculptures, as you said, like moving sculptures, I think is a really cool way to describe what, what a watch is. But this is honestly a, a great segue to the first question that I normally ask in our podcast interviews, which is about time. And uh, okay. so I'm really curious about your so called technique for time, how do you create time and space in your life for things other than just work? Is there a particular workflow technique or a tool that you use that enables you to to be able to do more than just sit in front of the computer
1: yeah yeah it, and it took me it took me a while to arrive at it and it's a it 's a challenge it's a you know it's an ongoing challenge to to balance work and life and and everything else so I developed kind of a, a schedule for myself uh, and I like to kind of look at my workday in in three hour segments. And that's whether I've got shoots going on or or editing or you know meetings, anything, anything that I've got going on. I try to work things into groupings of, of three hours. And once I've you know reached a point of nine hours of of work related items then I try to, I try to close the door, you know, it's I'm done or I, you know, work in another three hour chunk of something that's not work related. So I've got a nice mix of back and forth throughout the day where I'm not, you know, just, just inundated with, with work things. And I think something else that's really important is as your like, business is stressful. I think no matter how, how successful or how, you know, what the business is, especially as an entrepreneur, the ups and downs of dealing with, with all the things is, is stressful and there's a lot to it. So I think it's really important to stay clear and focused on, on, you know, your, your items, but staying clear for what your intention is and letting things kind of move through you. So if you're stressed out, don't be afraid to embrace that Hmm. and process through it. And then, you know, toss it away like let it process through so you're not holding on to a whole bunch of anxiety and stress or things like that because believe it or not like you you don't really realize it in the moment but just that stuff takes up space that takes up a whole lot of space and time uh, and we aren't even really aware of it so that's one of the things that's kind of immediately is a benefit just to let things pass through so it's not taking up unnecessary space to start so outside of that, just regular schedule things, I, I find it's really, really helpful for me, at least, to to divide my day up into three hour chunks.
0: So I'm this is this is really interesting. Both of these uh, talking points are quite interesting to me. First of all, the three hour chunks. I've never heard someone talk specifically about three hour chunks before. What where did that come from? Was that an idea that you heard elsewhere? Did you come up with it on your own?
1: It, probably a combination. I don't recall a specific spot or place that I that I heard that. So going back uh into my history a bit. I rebranded my business uh in two thousand ten. Was a a wedding photographer and then in two thousand ten I was like, I don't want to shoot weddings as much. I'm gonna start shooting fashion. I'm gonna shoot fashion and models. And I live in Indianapolis, Indiana.
0: Yeah, uh, go Hoosiers. <laughs> I'm I'm actually from Kokomo.
1: Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> go Hoosiers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, not the uh fashion mecca by any any means. So uh that was a uh horrific business decision at the time (laughs) so uh needless to say crickets for the first two years so i was like all right gonna start marketing for weddings again anyway i was uh working out of out of the house uh my office was at the house and then i was meeting clients you know wherever starbucks or Panera Bread or you know any any fun spot and then i had a studio space in downtown indy so that was my first uh you know realization that i needed to figure out a way to balance my work and life schedule because working out of the house i realized I, like as soon as i woke up i was going into the office and i would sit down and i wouldn't realize that i was in there on the computer you know building things or systems or making calls or anything until my girlfriend got home at like you know six o'clock <laughs> that night wow and then it would be like oh wow it's six o'clock cool okay uh, let me finish up a couple of things and then I'll be right out. And then I look up and it's dark and it's eight 39 o'clock, you know? So I was, I was really bad at making that adjustment, you know, like it was all work all the time. And I didn't have, have anything in place to, to kind of manage myself to, to do other things. And I, and believe me, there were a lot, I've, I've got two kids, I've got a band i've got you know like all kinds of no social life really <laughs> but but you know people around that i like to see and talk to and, and a lot of other things to manage in and i, I was just failing at that miserably so
0: yeah i, I actually noticed that on facebook as well you're, you're a drummer as well correct
1: yeah yeah yep yeah, been a drummer i've been a drummer a little longer than i've been a photographer actually so it's, but probably my first passion was was music
0: Wow. So, wow. Yeah. I mean, seriously, you're such a wide ranging individual. I think it's fascinating. But you spoke to the significance of needing to come up with a system that would enable you to have a better balance so that you can not only do work, but also manage your personal life. But the three hour segment thing is interesting to me because I know that the intention span of myself included, most people these days in modern American culture, uh, it's not particularly long right like we're doing good if we pay attention to to a instagram story for 15 20 seconds or whatever it might be 3 hours is a pretty long frame or segment of time how are it is. how are you able to to focus for that extended period of time
1: well the so the 3 hours is 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 like a blueprint sort of so you can subdivide that 3 hours as well so gotcha. um with, within that 3 hours i'm going to say okay, so I'm going to go into the office and I want to, I'm going to be at the office for for three hours. So within that three hours, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to follow up with leads the first hour. I'm going to manage files the second hour and I'm going to, you know, I don't know, edit the third third hour. I've got little hourglass timers on my desk as well. And I, I use those as often as I can remember to uh, just to make sure that I'm, I'm staying true to, to my schedule. That's cool. So, so yeah, so, so that three hour chunk can be subdivided, but it's more about where I'm placing my energy. So I'm going to be at the studio for this chunk of time. Okay. Then I'm going to, going to go to the, go to the gym, or then I'm going to, you know, take an hour or two to, to do something not work related, but I like to like to like it to add up to three hours. And if it's more than three hours um, you know, I make sure that, all right, I'm into the second set of three hours. I can work for another, you know, X number of hours, so a total six, and then I'm going to be done for three.
0: Wow. Okay. So that that makes sense, though. But I, I love the intentionality there, and I like the old school approach with the hourglasses too. There's something about having yeah. like the visual, tangible. Experience of having you know something like an hourglass that you're you're seeing it, you manually flip it over. I, I like that. I, that might be something I have to pick up at some point. That's kind of cool. Um, and then the other idea you mentioned was the significance of letting stress go, and I really love this. And I've talked a lot about a book called, actually, a couple of different books that I, we talk about a lot in the podcast, but one in particular called the Untethered Soul. And this is by okay. a guy named Michael Singer. And he, he explains, he helps those who are not familiar with the idea of meditation better understand how to approach the idea of meditation. And a lot of it has to do with seeing a thought or a feeling in and then seeing it out, not trying to mm-hmm. fight it, acknowledging it. And there's nothing wrong with right. acknowledging it, but acknowledging that, that thought or that feeling. If you're sitting down to meditate and you feel very distracted, all these thoughts in your mind, you see the thing in. You acknowledge it, you see it out, and you repeat this process right. over and over and over again and i 've found so much success from that I mean, to the extent that I end up in this very kind of deep i hope it 's not sleep it what feels like maybe <laughs> a, a deep meditative state you know by the time that time my meditation time is up i 'm kind of uh, abruptly woken up, if you will, from that state, but I find it really really effective, but i think it 's a great approach to life in general, like you 're saying if we hold on to stress. It can affect us on a very, very deep physiological level. I've experienced this personally. I know this affects others as well. It's really important to be and I, I want to say it's a it's a Bruce Lee quote, but um, that the idea of being water, right where the pebble hits the mm-hmm. water, there's a ripple effect, but then that ripple goes away, and it's back to to calm or even state right. again and it's really important to do that because if we do hold on to it, it's going to literally physiologically eat us up.
1: Yes. It does. I've seen that happen. I think it's about and, and whether you feel what what's processing through as as negative or even if it's destructive. I think it's important to to honor it as an experience and look at it as an as an opportunity to learn or to grow. But definitely keep it moving. You know, I yeah. think that's that's the most important piece is just keep it moving. Uh, let yourself go through the emotions. If it's if it's anger, if it's if it's grief or or whatever it might be, just just honor it. Let it filter through, and and then breathe into moving on.
0: Yeah, that's that's so good, and it's so important. It's such a great reminder, and I'm really glad that, that you brought that up because you know there's a tendency I think, and again, I, I I'll raise my hand here. This is something that I've done way too many times, but I see it in our, our culture as well. You see this on Facebook or on Instagram, or even even in person in conversation. Um, there's a tendency I think that we have in our modern culture to hold on to things, to fixate on things, rather than as you were saying, in a healthy way, acknowledging them. But then, mm-hmm. moving forward, figuring out how to right. consistently live a proactive life which is focused on forward movement and growth and progress, and um, you know I, I ride motorcycles um, as it 's kind of my hobby, and a uh, nice. couple, couple of months ago I, I got in a I guess we could call it a relatively minor, minor wreck, but the, the mistake was mine, and the mistake was I lost focus on the line that I was supposed to be following through a curve. And fortunately, I was wearing protective gear and I was okay. My bike was was okay as well. But the the problem was I lost focus on that line. And as a result, I went wide and I ended up crashing. And I think there's an interesting metaphor there, which is that the thing that we, if we allow ourselves to fixate on the wrong thing we're going to be in big, big trouble. Yeah, It's easy to fixate on whatever is maybe most emotionally compelling in the moment and get distracted from what actually matters and and that so-called line that will take us in the right direction for our business, for our personal life. Uh, And I love that you bring up the significance of, again, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging it and it can be even healthy to do so, but acknowledge it and then move forward. And I think that's a really great reminder for our listeners. So I appreciate you sharing that. Let's go to the next thing. Um, most impactful book that you've read, whether this is a business book or personal book, or maybe you listen to books. I know a lot of people prefer the audio route. What, what is one of the most impactful books that you've consumed?
1: It was really hard for me to narrow down to one as I've grown my business and tried to, um, I'm an artist first, to be honest, you know, like, uh, my background is art <laughs> so diving into business was was a huge you know unknown scary thing so I've found found a lot of uh, most of the books that i that I've, I'm into are reference kind of books and business business now more than anything but okay. uh, I love I love Gary Vee so um, his crushing it book yes was uh, was really helpful I just love his laser point you know advice on on things he's very very direct, and I love his language, so it, that really, really resonated with me. Also, start with why, yeah, by Simon Sinek. Yes, that's a great one too. I go back to that often, so I recommend, I recommend that one all the time. And then the the subtle art of not giving a fuck, I think, is is huge. <laughs> yeah, we've had a,
0: we've had a guest or two bring that book up on the on the podcast, but I'm curious what the significance of that book was to you.
1: Well, I mean, my condition tendency is to uh, like, I'm always looking outward. I'm always, I'm always concerned about, about what everyone else is feeling. I'm always concerned about what, you know, like to the point where it dictates what, what my actions are. Okay, And I don't think, I don't think I really, really started to move forward until I started focusing on me, like me first, make f- sure my cup is full. And then, then I can provide, then I can, you know, direct, then I can move forward and be successful. So just for me, it translated to, you know, I don't, I have to stop caring about what everyone else is thinking or feeling for a minute, you know, and, and, and realize that I'm, I'm here in life for myself and no one that I love or care for is going to, going to benefit from my actions or non-actions or anything unless. I am full and I am fully expressed. So that's that's kind of what, what it translated to for me.
0: That's that's really interesting. But I think even more fascinating maybe is the combination of books that you just shared. So if our yeah. listen, if, if our listeners just there, and we'll link to all three of these books in the show notes, for those of you who are curious, you can jump over to Amazon and get a copy. But if you start with why, first of all, you understand what drives you, what motivates you, and you focus on that, that then enables you to, as the book says, not give a fuck. And then mm-hmm. you can put your head down and focus on the hustle that Gary Vee talks about quite a bit yeah. I and mean, crushing it in yeah. his books subsequently as well. I mean, this is a theme that you hear from. Him. And I love, you talked about Gary's language. I love the way that Gary keeps things extremely simple and straightforward These are principles. The principles that he shares aren't necessarily earth shattering. So much of what makes make those principles impactful is if you actually follow through on them. A and B, follow through on them consistently, and that's where you start to see results. And honestly. Part of, part of the inspiration that has driven, the the uh, I guess, the volume of content, certainly, that we've produced at the Boca Podcast, we're putting out three episodes a week right now. Cool. We're putting out a lot of content, but a lot of the motivation for not only the volume, but ultimately the consistency with which we've produced the content um, for our industry has to do with a realization on my part that was like, you know what? I realize that I'm not following through consistently. I'll have a good idea occasionally, and I'm, I'm motivated occasionally but there's these kind of spikes of motivation and then it falls off and then another spike of motivation and it falls off and Gary's such a great uh-huh. example of somebody who puts his head down and goes but does so consistently and I think it's a great example
1: right yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: we'll make sure to link to all three of these books in in the show notes. And I really appreciate you sharing all three of them. I think, honestly, the three together could be massively impactful for for some of our listeners if they've not read them yet. So uh, we'll definitely link to those. Tell me, I, from all that you've learned as a business owner so far, and I'm sure it's a lot, what piece of advice would you be quickest to share with a fellow photographer?
1: I think my biggest piece of advice, my biggest consistent piece of advice for, for creatives is To first, you have to understand what you're passionate about, like, like, you know, what, what drives you, what fills you, and hopefully that's a part of your business. (laughs) So in business, explore ways to stay passionate, Uh, you know, stay on the on the top of your wave of passion, love what you do always like, you know, even the even the parts of business that that you don't necessarily love having to do, understand that it's a part of the big picture and, and, and love it too. Because as, as you're, you know, going through the ups and downs, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to, to let, you know, every, all the darkness kind of consume you. Or if you, if you stay focused on what you're passionate about, then I think that that shows through in your product, it shows through in your service. And it's more beneficial to you on the inside. So that, that's my biggest piece.
0: And, and I mean, that is an allusion again to the start with why that the idea of starting with that the what we allude to on the podcast is a big picture view, kind of our overarching goals and values ultimately that drive what we do. Those are those are ideas, hopefully, that are bigger than us. Right. So when we get right. to those times that uh, that we're frustrated or we're stressed out or we're unsure, we don't know what to do, we don't know how to manage it all we look to those ideas that are bigger than ourselves in order to, to stay driven and to be consistent. Uh, because if, if this is just about us, if it's about, quote, us you know, producing our art or being an artist or being a photographer and producing beautiful images, that idea, it, it, I mean, a lot of that can be very ego-driven, right? But if we're actually working toward an idea that's much bigger than just making ourselves happy by taking a cool picture, uh, that right <laughs> is going to enable us to be more consistent to be able to push through those times and and have a passion that overrides stress or that overrides a sense of overwhelm.
1: Mm-hmm. It's more sustainable that way for sure. Hundred <laughs> percent.
0: That's a great, great word.
1: Yeah, and I feel like everything else falls into place after that. You stand firm on your on your truth and and what makes you what makes you happy, what you're passionate about. Everything else falls into place. So.
0: That's good. That's good. All right. Well, those of you listening in, again, if you haven't read that book, Start With Why, you can also Google Simon's TED Talk. It'd be a good place to start. I think it's 15 to 20 minutes or so. You can check that out. We can link to that in the show notes as well. But you're going to ultimately maybe want to take a little bit deeper dive and explore what it is that's actually driving what you do. And uh, again, we'll link to that that book in the show notes. I'm, I'm curious, Doss, what is your... I know you mentioned being a wedding photographer and then transitioning into to commercial work. And again, your, your commercial work, your fashion work is just very, very beautiful. But I'm curious what your brand position is because there are a lot of commercial and fashion photographers out there. What is the unique selling point that your business offers that causes photog- or your business to stand out to a potential client? Like if they were to say... Oh, Doss Miller, he's that photographer that, you know, dot dot dot. What what would you fill in the blank with there?
1: <laughs> well, I think I think it comes down to the the experience. And part of the experience for me, even even with with advertising or, or branding photography, is understanding what, you know, the business, understanding what what that business owner is passionate about or or what, you know, what product they're selling and what they're doing. So I dive into that part a lot. So when it comes when it comes to producing images it, i feel like there's just there's more magic behind it you know i'm not just showing up on set and and snapping photos of of a product it's, it's it's you know understanding what what that business was built on what that what that business's purpose is um who they're reaching out to i put a lot of time into planning and and research prior to shoot so i really think all of that that planning and diving in deep you know, all the meetings, all the conversations, getting to know people is really, really important in coming out with, with killer images at the end. It's because uh, I've tried it the other way around. It just, it's just not the same, you know, getting a phone call and putting something on the calendar and showing up and, and photographing. Uh, it just feels flat at th- that way. I, I get really involved. And uh, I think that's what, that, that's what stands out.
0: Yeah, I mean, if, if you go into a shoot robotically, and like this person is just another item on the list of things to do, uh, the experience that you create for a client or potential client with that mindset is going to be drastically different than if you're going in with a desire to understand who that person or what that business is at a deeper level, and you're creating mm-hmm. an experience that, that fits what that person represents or what that business represents, it is going to be a drastically different experience. And I know that this is we're already beginning to kind of hint at the conversation that we're going to have here just in a few minutes. So I'll leave that alone for the time being. Um, yeah. But the experience, it seems to be the focus. And and we're definitely going to delve into what that experience looks like. I, I want to ask you, though, what's the most unusual item in your camera bag? I mean, we're, we're talking about capturing beautiful images, but it's funny sometimes how some of the, you know, the smallest accessories or the most random things in our camera bag can make a big difference in the experience that we're creating for our clients or the photographs that we're capturing. So what is one of the most unusual items in your camera bag that enables you to be a better photographer?
1: (laughs) Well, mine is not even, even really a photography item. A lot of how I function, like I'm super quirky and, and I'm a nerd You know, I'm, I'm, (laughs) I've got some social anxiety stuff going on. So a lot of what makes me function is, is number one, staying humble. Like, you know, like never forgetting what I have to deal with on the inside. So I, (laughs) just as a reminder, I have my very first business card, my very first uh, business card photographer card in my, in my camera bag, I have it laminated and it's stuck on the inside. So that's cool when I remove one of my, my camera bodies, it's, it's stuck on the side. And I can, I see it was an image of me that I created, um, in not even my studio, it was in my apartment back in the day. Uh, it was, a uh, an image of my face and the, and the sky that I liked and the uh, created the logo. So there's a, there's a lot of story and emotion wrapped around it, but it was like 15, 20 years ago. And, uh, it's, it's just super awesome for me to start every project remembering, you know, where I came from yeah. and what I've been through, you know, and, and also thinking about whatever I'm stepping into the people that I'm working with, they have similar stories, you know, not everyone woke up, uh, uh, the day after being born into, um, into success or into, into confident power, you know, everyone's got a story and everyone's been through something. So it's, it's a really helpful reminder for me to, to recall, Everything I've been through, and that, you know, we're all just people. So, cause I can get, I can get like intimidated or, you know, nervous or or whatever about what I'm stepping into, but we're all, we're all little kids. (laughs) It's so
0: true. That is, that is so 100% true. I mean, I, I feel like a kid just anyway, but I, it's funny as you grow up and realize more and more like that is, that is just the reality, right? We're kids with, Adult bodies, basically, like our, our minds, the way that we function, and, and hopefully the level of curiosity that we exude in life, uh, it, hopefully those things never go away, but we really are just kids <laughs> and adult yep. bodies i think but but perspective really makes a massive difference in the way that we approach business and, and the way that we engage in relationships and so having something like that original business card in your bag, I think that 's a really cool idea. I actually pulled up i don 't have the physical copy. Uh, but as you were talking there, I pulled up a a picture that I that I or a scan that I captured of my original business card. That uh, my my business ended up being called Holritz Photography. Nothing too unusual there. But when when we first started in business, it was called Expressive Photography, <laughs> which is hilarious okay, now. Okay. <laughs> looking back at it, and not only is it called Expressive Photography, but it's in this weird like scripty font um, <laughs> that looks hilarious. Of course it was. Of course, right? <laughs> and then and, and then underneath it said portrait. Wedding and freelance, so definitely not trying to specialize in any way at that point, apparently um, and then this was back in the day of you know really before websites were that that important because uh, I started okay. shooting in two thousand one two thousand and two obviously websites okay. were around at that point, but it wasn't it didn 't play a significant role in our businesses as they do now. back then, I was still taking out yellow page ads. So there was no right. there was no URL, no website there. But I would love the perspective, or in, in this case, just the kind of humorous memories as I think back to, to what that, what was going on at that point. But um, I think it is a great thing to have some type of a, a keepsake or piece of memorabilia in your bag that lends perspective, where maybe it sits on your desk in your office or whatever it might be, but it reminds you, like you said, Doss, where you came from and then ultimately what you've accomplished. And I think maybe that'll be encouraging too.
1: Mhm, absolutely.
0: That's really really cool. Well, let's let's get into our kind of our primary point of conversation today which has to do not just simply with how to create powerful portraits, I mean, you've got just stunning, stunning portrait work on your site, but more specifically, what it takes to create those powerful portraits when it comes to the relationship. You alluded to the experience earlier, and the Mm -hmm. relationship with the client is a massive part of that experience. You know, being a photographer, it means more than learning how to just compose a photograph or expose an image well or show up for a shoot. Um, It means, honestly, a lot of times what we were talking about earlier, being a psychologist, learning about what makes people tick, engaging them on their playing field, on on their level. And um, Mm -hmm. so talk to me just a little bit more about the background, your background in psychology, how that plays a role in the way that you engage with your clients.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about, connection. I think absolutely everything we do as photographers and entrepreneurs is about connection and building relationships. So from the moment someone reaches out, you know, asking about my services, learning and understanding what energ- energizes and motivates people um, is is kind of paramount. But for for the whole process, from the very very initial meeting all the way through uh, final delivery. So, from that initial meeting, I'm I'm already like you know in the conversation. Nothing is like you know. I don't ask ask heavy questions or, you know, it's, it's all light conversation. It's all like getting to know the person, but I'm already, you know, getting in, in ways, getting them excited about sharing their own stories and the details that had them arrive at contacting me. You know, I want them to be, be excited and, and trusting and uh, sharing, sharing their stories. So that's what that, the whole dialogue is worked into, into getting them excited so and also like creating interesting questions and and getting them to say yes in their in their own mind over and over again <laughs> is is worked in there as well like oh. my whole funnel is kind of built around trust and confidence and love and like you know like it's all positive stuff like one of the ma- my main focuses on everything is is helping people so I really feel like it's a business but um, at the end of the day, I'm I'm providing a service that is going to going to benefit my client. They're going to walk away feeling better about themselves, hopefully, or they're going to you know be able to sell their product more efficiently, or you know whatever the case may be. But it's all about helping, and I feel like that comes through in the process.
0: Okay, so you touched on a number of points there. I want to go back first of all to the significance of motivation uh, because it's mm-hmm. really interesting. I, I alluded earlier to a couple of books that we talk about all the time on the podcast. One. Um, is The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And of course, we'll link to that in the show notes. But then the other is is one by Tony Robbins that I bring up quite a bit called Reawaken the Giant Within. It's an ebook. It's free. It's a uh. free download. We'll link to this in the show notes as well. But he talks about the significance of beliefs and how beliefs largely make up who we are, uh, certainly the way that we feel and then the way that we act. Um, and this is such a significant concept. I actually ended up getting a, a tattoo on my left arm, in the, with the Japanese characters that say the word kakushin. Uh, I grew up in Japan for those who aren't familiar with that, but oh, cool. um, the awesome. word kakushin means belief. And if you understand what someone believes about anything, uh, and this is not just about religion. In fact, it's far from just being just about religion or spiritual beliefs. It's, I mean, we literally, in fact, I'm, I'm sitting on a stool right now at a, at a stand-up desk with my podcast equipment. I, do, I wouldn't sit down at that stool or on that stool if I didn't believe that it would hold me up, right? So literally right. everything that we do on a day-to-day basis is driven by a belief or a set of beliefs. Sometimes those beliefs are accurate. Fortunately, my belief about this chair holding me up—it was accurate. Um, in some cases, they aren't so accurate, or they aren't helpful. Uh, They aren't enabling beliefs. They're not powerful beliefs. And so that being said, understanding what somebody believes or the things that they believe about whatever situation they might be in, about themselves, about the scenario, about the location you're at, about you as a photographer, what it means to have a camera in front of their face, and the list goes on. I mean, it's going to be a massive list. But understanding what they believe will help you then understand what motivates them, which will then enable you to better or more effectively interact with them, engage with them on a deeper level that they'll likely respond way, way more effectively to than if you were just to kind of
1: robotically point a camera in their face. Right. Exactly. I'm not a salesperson. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm not a salesperson. I don't like to be sold. I, you know, like you can just, you can feel the, the, the lack of, of, you can just feel it, you know, it doesn't feel authentic. It doesn't feel like, you know, this person is just talking to me because they want something from me. That doesn't feel good. That's, I don't want to be a part of that. So Everything that I do, like you know, I, I I literally speak into my philosophy of service during the calls and messages and meetings and all of that. And the whole process is about building trust and and you know building an authentic, real relationship with with the client, and you know communicating you know what's important to me and relating and connecting on on you know where that meets with with my client. It's a, uh, everything I do. I like to strive. to, to, you know, on a foundation of excellence. And most people I feel are the same with that. So outside of that, though, I feel like everything else, you know, everything else I've discussed, it just kind of shines through in the images at the end.
0: Well, you talked about the the idea of excitement. Uh, You talked about the significance of being able to relate to someone and how much of the conversation that leads to that deeper connection, has to do with you finding a point of connection, something that they can relate on, right? Because, I mean, I look at relationships that I've experienced personally, professionally, and the ones that tend to go easier or that make connection easier are certainly those relationships where I can, in some form or fashion, relate to that person. Mm -hmm. What do those conversations look like with the client? In order to be able to, to... Better connect with them. Number one, you have to understand what motivates them, what they believe. But then, secondly, you have to understand what, what is interesting to them and then be able to play on that. And that, that makes them that much more excited. But what do those conversations sound like?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, they're personal. So if I, you know, and you have to pay attention, people drop little tidbits of information in conversation. And some of my, you know, my lead forms or my funnel process prior to being contacted sometimes give me a little bit of, of information. So I, I have some, you know, personal pieces that I can ask about or, or, you know, talk about things, things of interest for the client. Everyone likes to, in a, in a getting to know someone type of conversation, you love sharing, sharing stories. You love talking about things that you're into. So uh, that's a part of, of, you know, my getting to know you process. It's more about Um, you know, it's like, we're, we just met at a bar or something and we're, we're hanging out, getting to know each other more than get your pocketbook out, (laughs) you know, to, to pay for my photography. So, so it's, it's just about, you know, paying attention and, and listening to, to what, what's on, on their forefront and what's, what's coming up for them. So there's little, little questions and little ways you can start to dig into, um, what someone is about without, without it feeling like pressure or without it being super obvious. And then once you pick up on those details, um, you can just start to start to ask, start to you know ask questions and get them to talk about themselves, get them to talk about their experiences, and get them to talk about you know what what steps they went through before contacting me. I, I liked because most of it's business related or you know brand related, and all of that is super personal, you know. So I get to ask about about you know what they've created and, and why and all of those sorts of things. So the more I can get someone to talk, uh, the the better because that just gives me more information and more things to, to redirect or to pivot on or to to, to dig into. So,
0: and, and ultimately, if, as you alluded to earlier, you're paying close enough attention, you're paying attention to the details, you're asking the right questions that enable you to be able to, to get to know this person beyond the surface level and then... You you are able to refer to those things whether in conversation or during the shoot and encourages that element of trust, which is another element that you said played such a significant role in enabling you to be able to connect with your clients more effectively. Um, I, I yes. think that's really really important to note too. But make this a little bit more tangible, more practical for our, for our listeners, if you don't mind. You've you've kind of gone through explaining what it means to have conversation with these clients leading up to a shoot. But once it's time to actually do the shoot, what, is that, what mm-hmm. does it look like in that environment? What are you doing to create a more comfortable environment for, for these clients um, in order to create more powerful portraits?
1: Great question. So it's like a culmination of all of these steps from, from you know targeting your advertising, gathering leads all the way through the booking process, getting to know the client, And it's shoot day. So all of that period of time, I've been gathering information. So I know, do they like, you know, a particular kind of water or do they, are they a tequila drinker? Do they, you know, what, what makes this person comfortable and happy? So it's, it's about the experience. So once they arrive or once, you know, once we're on set, um, it's all about them. It's all about, uh, what they're into. It's about making them feel comfortable. And that's what I have set up. So it's literally, um, everything else outside of taking a photo like it all those other things are more important so I have the things that they like on set making someone feel comfortable you know beverages favorite foods things like that
0: does music play uh, a role
1: absolutely yeah I, that's that's in one of my first questionnaires like you know what's your favorite do you have a favorite song or a favorite artist we talk about music throughout the process because I mean music is a part whether you realize it or not <laughs> you know music is it, for most people is a huge part of, of day in and day out. 100%. Um, a, lo- a lot of people use music to, to manage their emotional things. And, and that's a big part of, of existing, you know, music is everywhere. So, you know, I've got the playlist already, or I've coached them in into building their own playlist for the shoot, uh, you know, something like that. So, so once the shoot day happens, it's like, ah, There's no stress, you know. It's like, ah, we're hanging out, and this is everything that that I'm into, you know. So the last thing we're we're worried about is creating the environment because it's it's you know it's been the stage has been set in the the weeks prior to the shoot. And in so, order to
0: create that environment, I mean, you've alluded to to these questions a number of times. Off the top of your head, can you think of a few of the most significant questions that you ask that enable you to create that environment?
1: I like to ask about about music, like we just discussed. What what they do on their, on their day off. Like, Uh, you know, when you're not, when you're, when you're not working, like, who are you when, when you have your work hat put away, (laughs) you know, what are you excited about? You know, when you're not, when you're not trying to, trying to, to, you know, book business or whatever, just personal stuff, really digging into who they are and what they're about. Any, any big stories that stand out to them in, in growing up or anything they've encountered as, as an adult that stands out, you know, I like to, just hear about what they what they're about
0: well, it's kind of like you were saying earlier. It's almost as though you're just having a conversation with somebody at the bar. Like you, you got drinks. You're sitting down. You're getting to know somebody for the first time. What kind of questions did you ask them then? You know, and and right, exactly. even liken it to a date possibly, because some of the questions that you might ask on a date would enable you to get to know somebody a little bit more personally than say just sitting down to have drinks with with a, a business colleague. So, right. getting a little bit personal in those questions, coming up with ones that that are maybe that resonate most with you, uh, and then you think will also resonate with a potential client. That's a that's a great idea to come up with that list of questions that goes outside of the realm of photography and that scenario. So that, and I love the way that, that you describe this Doss, that creating an environment where photography is, is kind of secondary or tertiary, like it's, it's not even the priority. The priority is creating an environment that makes them feel comfortable. And then, oh, by the right. way, we're going to take some pictures.
1: yeah yeah that's right and then when you're actually
0: pointing the camera in their direction is there anything that you're doing specifically in the way that you're engaging with them when you are actually pointing the camera their direction that helps them feel a little bit more
1: comfortable i i don't know that i've noticed other photographers doing this or not but i always try to maintain eye, eye contact i'll look through my you know through the eyepiece and then as I'm shooting and directing I'm still talking we're we're still engaged in conversation or uh at least eye contact. I'm peeking above above my camera. They can see my eye yeah, so that that person they've grown to 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 know and trust I'm still here you know the the camera's not hiding me it's still kind of a an intimate you know connected time and as as we 're going through the shoot, and I you know i 've learned learned about what makes them work and what kind of emotion I want to get from them um, i know I know what what direction to take, and I can still maintain that connection with them because i'm i 'm still you know still looking right at them so
0: you know that and that engagement on that level having first of all making eye contact is huge because like you said i 'm not sure that that is a normal thing i don 't know how much i 've actually seen that from most photographers, at least in the wedding industry, and in the portrait industry, particularly when you see photographers at workshops and they're doing shoots, it seems like they tend to be kind of quiet and hiding behind their camera, not saying a whole lot. And then you have this mm-hmm. model or subject who is just left there to kind of figure out what they're supposed to do. And I hope that's not reflective of the experience these photographers are creating with their individual clients. But it is so important, especially for somebody who's not used to being in front of the camera in order to make them feel right. comf- comfortable to right. to engage with them, have ongoing conversation. Like you said peeking up above the camera and maybe even continuing to shoot. It's not that every single frame has to be perfect. And if you're able to engage with them in such a way that they feel comfortable, that you're still there, you're not hiding behind the camera, they're wondering what's going on. They just see this big lens pointed their direction. uh, that, Mm -hmm. That can be really disconcerting. So the significance of continual and consistent engagement, whether it's making eye contact or having conversation with them. The big thing for me that I really love to do is to compliment just constant <laughs> yeah. compliments and, and let them be real. Don't let them be you know, shallow and, and hollow and, and ultimately things that you're just making up for the saying, sake of saying words. Like, let them be genuine compliments. Find things that you really appreciate about that subject and compliment them about that, whether it's what they're wearing, what they're doing, how their eyes look, how their hairs, hair looks. Really engage them genuinely, and that will only further that sense of trust that you were talking about yeah. us earlier. I think that's so, so important.
1: Yeah, exactly, and it's not it's not easy being in front of the camera. So as we're going through and we're we're getting the shots, you know, I I definitely compliment, compliments are are huge, and and making sure that they're they're feeling confident about what's going on, whether it's a you know a a, a portrait shoot or high fashion model, the the pers the person is still. You know, the same on the inside, they're going to want to know that they're that they're doing a good job or they're they're pulling off the look or or we're getting the shot. So yep. the more confident you can make them feel, the, the better the shots are going to be.
0: And ultimately, as as you've been pointing out through this conversation, that confidence is largely inspired by a sense of trust and a personal connection that goes beyond just, hey, I'm your photographer, let's take some pictures. It's got to go way deeper than that. And I think this has been a good reminder for all of us. And I really appreciate you making time to share a bit of your perspective about how you create these, these powerful portraits. Again, for those of you listening in, you're going to want to make sure that you go to DossMiller, D-A-U-S-S-M-I-L-L-E-R, DossMiller.com. Same thing on Instagram. We'll link to those in the show notes. Uh, Doss, I really appreciate you making time to share with the Boca Podcast listeners today
1: course Nathan, I appreciate it, man. It's I love what you're doing. Education and, and you know, keeping things transparent and informative is is a great way to be. So I love what you're doing.
0: I really appreciate that. Well these kinds of conversations, you know, I, I think it's one thing to have education and there are different forms of education in, in our industry at this point, but there's something about just kind of sitting down and having a conversation and getting a wide variety of photographers' perspectives, I think is really great. I appreciate your willingness to share your perspective and your talent uh, and your experience with our listeners. Again, for those of you listening in, make sure that you check out the show notes. We're going to link to those show or you can go to the show notes uh, at B O K E H bokehpodcast.com. There's going to be a wealth of information associated with just this episode Haley puts together there. Make sure you check those out, bokehpodcast.com. And once again, thank you so much, Doss.
1: Thanks, Nathan. Talk to you soon.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is Nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com.